This episode of the podcast has been brought to you by Sweet Cheetah Publicity. Sweet Cheetah is an inclusive, socially conscious PR collective that puts their money where their mouth is. They have a current roster of bands that reads like a greatest hits anthology. Brainiac, Catholic School, Jawbox, The New Amsterdams, Oceans in the Sky. I mean, the list goes on and on. They also do PR for record labels such as A La Carte, Arctic Rodeo, Steadfast, Rad Girlfriend, and so many more. How do they pay it forward? How do they put their money where their mouth is? By generating thousands of dollars in annual charitable donations to the likes of Women in Vinyl, Coalition of Communities of Color, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and many, many more. The man has the receipts. I've seen them. It is real. The artists, labels, and podcasts Sweet Cheetah works with are curated with an eye on working primarily with friends. You could find Sweet Cheetah on all of the social media platforms, be it Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just look for Sweet Cheetah PR and they will be there. He's been Tim. I've been Peter. And Sweet Cheetah has been beautiful. folks and welcome to another edition of the book of very very bad things podcast i'm your host peter and i am still here the music you hear behind me is from the new album spill by the band dad hats dad hats had an album out uh in 2018 that was the first album uh it's been a bit of a stretch it was well worth the wait. Spill is an incredible piece of music released by our buddy Austin over at Mind Over Matter Records. We love Austin so much here. We love everything he releases on his label. Phenomenal, phenomenal record label. Tonight, I sit with Nate and Tyler, the guitarists of Dad Hats. We get into the minutia of what this band is really about. Uh, their musical roots, their personalities. We break down what type of people they are based on Beatles songs and albums. You're not going to get that on any other podcast. Come on. Get a little business out of the way. If you love this show, if you want to be a part of the machine that drives this show forward, all you have to do is either like, rate, subscribe, review, any of the above wherever you listen to podcasts also follow me on socials share my stuff and if you're feeling like giving up a little bit of cash money you can donate to me via paypal or venmo or you can subscribe financially and in doing so you will get a copy of the compilation album that is forthcoming as well as one exclusive episode per month you could do all that just by following the link on the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast, wherever you stream the podcast, or on Instagram, or on Facebook. Your choice. You have carte blanche. I'll get that. Boom. That's gone. That's put away. Locked up. We won't talk about it again tonight. 
what we will talk about is this incredible music that brings me back to a time when Fall Out Boy was still good. Remember the first album, even even a little bit of the second album before they got uh, wherever they are now. I'm not taking anything away from the boys. They, they're good at what they do, but Dad Hats does it better. Dad Hats is now, and this album is going to bring them to the next level. That was just a small portion of the second single, RWD, or Rewind, off of Spill. If that's not an indication of how powerful, how poppy, and how passionate this record can get. I I mean, I don't know what else you need, right? Come on. Without further ado, I give to you Dad Hats. Talking about the new album, Spill. On Mind Over Matter Records. Tonight, on the book of Very, Very Bad Things Podcast. Good evening. Hey, hey, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Doing fantastic. Can you hear me all right? Absolutely, everything sounds and looks great. Um, it's going to be just the two of us? Uh, no, uh, Tyler's going to be joining here in just a second. Okay, great. Um, I uh, Just to get it out of the way uh, really quickly, this album is the fucking shit. <laughs> oh, just, thank you, man. Um, coming from an almost 47-year-old hardcore punk from the 80s, um, this is really, it's hitting a lot of sweet spots for me. Um, I hear like a lot of Dag Nasty all the way through to like early Fallout Boy and everything in between and all things I enjoy, mind you. Um, it's it's really a great cross section of really well done music. You guys are phenomenal. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. Austin uh, is a visionary when it comes to what he puts out. Uh, I love Austin. Everything he does. I'm 1 million percent behind. I really fucking love this record. I liked your last record. This is mm, so good. <laughs> Thank you, man. And so I, I think the, the records are night and day difference, uh, I think. They are. They are. This is a more mature record. 
uh, this is a more pop sensible record. Um, but the, the love of hard, the love of hardcore is still present in this. And I think a little more so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm a big uh, fan of hardcore, like as a, you know, a, a thing that I listen to on the side as well, um, yeah. as well as play. Um, and you know, we're actually not that far off in age. Uh, we're, I, I'm almost 40. Like, so a lot, yeah, I'm sure a lot of the bands that we draw comparisons to, it's like, yeah, that's what I grew up on. Like I just saw yeah. death cab a couple nights ago. Oh, like, nice. Yeah. Hi, Tyler. Hey, how are you, Peter? Great. How are you? Good. Thank you. So Tyler, we kind of hit the ground running, uh, and I don't want you to kind of miss the, uh, you know, the accolades that I I'm throwing Nathan's way, but I really love this record. And as I'd said to him coming from, uh, almost 47 year old hardcore punk from the late eighties, um, this hits all the right spots for me from like Dag Nasty to early fallout boy and a million other bands in between that, that. I really appreciate and as much as I like the last record this one uh, as I'd said uh, uh, there's as much hardcore in it as as there is like the uh, I'd call it melodic hardcore people call it emo now and and have for like over 20 some years but back in my day it was melodic hardcore you know and that's what that's what you guys are doing and doing very well like you're surpassing any of the oh, bands you. that, you know, are still kind of doing it and are newer. Um, because unfortunately, I think the bands that kind of filled that niche uh, like 10 years ago, they changed so much. It had become almost boy band-esque in its delivery and its songwriting. I mean, you guys are very poppy, don't get me wrong, but in the best way possible. Like the Beatles were poppy. We love the Beatles. Um, but the, you're not losing that that uh, that anchor to you know Gorilla Biscuits or to Bold or Sick of It All. Like there's still a through line that's apparent, but you're not leaning on it. You're just like plucking everything you like about these disparate bands and genres and making it your own. It's very incredible. It's a well done record. Oh, thank thank you for the kind words. That that's that was that was awesome. Thank you. Well said. Uh, we got to come back to that uh, Dag Nasty <laughs> reference at some point. They're one of my all-time favorites. Dag Nasty uh, were formative for me. Um, <clears throat> one of the first bands I'd ever seen actually was Dag Nasty. Yeah, we got to we got to come back to that one. Um, I actually played a, a show with Dave Smalley once. I love Dave Smalley. <laughs> <laughs> so if we could kind of like bring it back to the beginning, I guess. Maybe not the beginning of the band, but the beginning of this record. Your last record was kind of a, a self-done affair, correct? Uh, yeah. So our oh, go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. Um, are you talking last record, like our first record? Yeah. So quite the opposite. So our first record we did in a studio, and we had a, another producer, uh, and we just went in like the traditional band has songs, band records songs. Uh, this record we did do completely on our own. Oh, okay. See, like if if one were to go on socials or what have you, you look at uh, the second longest driveway in Indiana, it looks like uh, there's no record label on it. 
you know what I mean? It, it looks like it's just a self-done affair. Yeah, and well, in, in that aspect, it is. And, um, you know, just to kind of elaborate there a little bit, um, as far as the demos and the proje- production of that album, that we, we did all of that ourselves. So when we went into the studio, I mean, everything was ready to go, basically. And, and like, as far as the release of it, though, that was all you? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we just kind of put it out on the internet. And and how was the response to that? Like like just like kind of fledgling band throwing out the first full length. How how was the response to that? I think it was really good. I mean, we we had a lucky set of circumstances in that we've got a really close knit group of friends that are very supportive. Um, and for a couple of us, th- this band was like our first foray back into playing music. Like for me, it had been eight years about eight years since i had been actively playing in a band um and we just got really lucky uh we had some cool uh opportunities to get like our early music videos out there so i I would say well tyler what do you think no it it did too and you know it for us as a band it was also one of those albums i mean we look back on it now and it's like oh man you know we've been playing those songs for a while now and there's some of them we still play in our set that I, i you know what if we went back and re-recorded it? You know, like all these bands now are revisiting some of their, you know, first albums and, and re-recording them and kind of like a new twist and everything. And there's definitely some songs on there that I wouldn't mind doing that with at some point, um, even if it's just for fun throughout the band. But I mean, it, even all of our friends, I mean, they they know the songs, they love the songs, and uh, we're just excited for uh, this new album to be out in the world and, you know, just to share it with everyone. It, it's funny too. It's coming out in two days, right? Or yeah, tomorrow. It's coming out tomorrow. Tomorrow, correct? yeah. Uh, that's my wife's birthday, my father's birthday, and my father-in-law's birthday. Uh, Whoa! So I, I'm gonna have to try and find a way to edit this down tomorrow and put it out into the world because I would like for it to be congruent with the release of the record. So I've got my work cut out for me on my wife's birthday. <laughs> but, you know, it's not that difficult, really. Um, but I, I find it uh, I find it odd that it all kind of came down on the same day. But the, how was the recording of the previous record versus this one? Um, since this one was, you know, just on your own. Uh, so the first record was we we went for a weekend and we had a weekend to record everything and like walk away with the mixes we did some subsequent mixes you know in the following weeks but for the most part we got everything done in a single weekend whereas the latest record one we wrote it over the pandemic so most of the record was written not in a room together at all uh there are a couple songs on the record we've never played uh in a room as a band together um, but because we were doing it all on our own and in our singer Craig's studio, we could take all the time in the world. So we did like drums, a weekend just dedicated to drums. And it, it was nice that we could kind of flesh things out and really work on the production. And it, we were doing it ourselves. It wasn't on anybody else's dime. So we could take all the time in the world. Right. And I, I think that probably has a lot to do with the sound of the record, too, because <clears throat> you took your time with it. I think that's yeah. obvious. I think it's obvious that there was a lot of love and care put into it too. 
And as you'd said, last record versus this one, night and day for a million different reasons. But I think, you know, outside of the allusions to like hardcore of yore and punk of yore, there's a, there's more personality, I think, attached to this one. And I think that's because you got that time uh, to kind of spend on it and to really hone it. Is the, is, do you think that might be hitting the mark? Yeah, I think so. Tyler? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, 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 it's hard, too, because, I mean, we, we all, like, you know, we've been a band for five years now, right? And we've we've grown together. We've, we've been through a lot of things together. And especially, I think this, this record is just the amount that we put into it all personally, right? From like just the long recording days to the demo process to everything. There is just, there's so much more that went into this one. Um, and I think that's just what makes it that much more special. And, you know, the fact that you do have a really, really excellent label behind it is yes. it, it's pretty it's pretty spectacular austin does not release duds from you know like he's reissuing things that had happened in the past that were glaringly important to the scene uh all the way up to now he's just amassing this incredible roster how did you guys kind of uh you know hit his radar so really, uh, he's uh, Joe's contact. And from what I understand is it's like the circle of friends, um, kind of like one friend adjacent is how Joe met Austin. And then really, uh, I mean, Joe, he's our drummer. He handles uh, just so much. He does so much of our creative um, as well as being an amazing musician. But he also handles like a lot of our relationships like that. And he and Austin just hit it off. I think we sent him a couple of the demos as they were in progress and he liked it. Um, and from there, I, don't, I mean, I feel like Joe put so much time and effort into cultivating that relationship, but for the rest of us, it was like, Oh shit, we got a label. Like yeah. that's crazy. That just happened overnight. Uh, when obviously it didn't, a lot of hard work went into it. And I think we're, we'll be forever grateful for everything that Austin has done. I mean, we we got to lay hands on the vinyl for the first times ourselves last night and they're beautiful i i could not have wanted anything more yeah i mean not to mention too like austin puts so much care into the projects that he's working on you know what like nate said we we got to hold you know the vinyl that we've been waiting on for a year and a half like in our hands last night and it's just such a cool feeling right but like then to see the the jacket and you know the part he like manually screen prints every single one and just the care that he puts into it and how it comes out so pro i think is um you don't really see that too much anymore you know you see a lot of diy labels you know pop up but you know not a lot of them really put in that time they're just like okay well i'm gonna bring this band in you know we're gonna sell some albums we're gonna make a little money and then i'm on to the next one right yeah. and it's just the next one the next one um so yeah i mean it's been it's been stellar so far shout out austin yeah austin really has amassed kind of like a, a small family of artists that you know they're, they're disparate in their way not everyone sounds the same it's all different sorts of music really 
um, but it's all quality uh, from, you know, sonically all the way to, as you'd said, the finished product, the, the, the vinyl, the jacket, everything is curated meticulously. Uh, I think this record deserves that. I think it, I think it actually commands that because I listen to this and I do hear kind of like the best of, as I'd said that, like when fallout boy were first starting to happen when they were actually good. Um, <clears throat> there was a, a wave of, of of bands that came from the hardcore scene that were making uh, <clears throat> pop sensible emotional hardcore that you know could kind of like reach people who weren't necessarily tied to that scene and to me i could play this in front of people i work with and it's mostly curmudgeonly men in their 50s and they would find <laughs> something to like about something like this you know, like, and that, that makes, that, that makes all the difference in the world, really, because you're not preaching to the choir. You're not, you know, just kind of like playing to, you know, the easy audience. You could yeah. do something, so you could, you could transcend that with something like this. Um, I, I know discussing things like that behind closed doors doesn't really happen if you're a good band. It just kind of goes down, but have you considered the idea that this is probably going to reach a lot more people than you would have imagined? Tyler, you want to take that? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're just like four nerds. I mean, we're not like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we just, it, we started this band. It's just literally something Hey, you want to kill some time and just like rock out and you know kind of drink some beers um to oh you know we got four or five songs let's let's do an ep no way let's do a full length and let's do another full length you know so the 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 spiral of it and then thinking like oh there's people that want to hear this you know it is it's kind of kind of weird to us sometimes but it's bad i mean uh even recently we've been we've been reaching a lot of people um all over a lot of different countries um it's been really cool to see so far and yeah like i would there's that massive span too right like between the last like full-length record and this to go from like that many years ago that record happened and now you're you've come with something that like respectfully it's a year and a half old to you but to all of us it's brand new to come out of almost what would could be construed as left field with this magnum opus that's going to smack the taste out of a lot of people's mouths you know i, uh, I can imagine i can imagine a, people are pretty excited about it anyway uh, yeah I, th I think we're really stoked on it and the response i mean i'll, I'll echo what tyler said you know it escalated i mean i guess not quickly in the sense that we've been a band for like five years but I would have never, never thought, you know, like one at my age and then two. And a lot of us had been touring musicians before and all took a break. And we're all like corporate boys with corporate jobs. Like our singer's a lawyer in his real life. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think any of us were like, oh, at, at this stage of our life, we're going to sign a record deal and put out, you know, probably I I will say you ask what we talk about behind closed doors. I'll say one thing that we've all acknowledged is it's 
the 100% the best thing any of us have put out into the world. And, and most musicians, their best happens in their 20s. Um, I myself, with my current band, I put out probably the best record I've ever written at age 41. Um, I think there's a place for that now. I think back when we were all in our 20s, we didn't see, like, with the exception of a few, like, you know, when Civ happened and, and, and Sick of It All and stuff like that, bands were doing things in their, beyond their prime uh, that were still good. Uh, yeah. We didn't have too many examples of that, though. Now it seems to be okay, you know, to kind of, like, reach for the brass ring when you're, up in years, as it were, as far as music's concerned, anyway. I mean, we're not really that old, but for music, we're pretty fucking old, you know? And you know, and a lot of... Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, a lot of it's perspective, too, right? Like, um, you know, uh, even the way that Nate and I write, you know, and, and the way that we'll, you know, kind of throw um, ideas back and forth, it's changed over five years as being in a band. You know, when we first started, if you listen to, you know, the ideas that we would you know kind of send each other and then it kind of flops every once in a while you know where it's like ah nate's gonna try more of a rhythm thing and i'll, I'll do some lead stuff or whatever and um if you would have told me that when we started a band i mean i don't know if i would have thought that you know it would kind of evolve that way mm -hmm. um but, but it's true it's true what you say um yeah i'm excited for the next uh the next chapter up too Yeah, I think, um, you know, going back to this idea that people are doing it later and later, I credit so much of that to the internet because mm -hmm. it used to be that like you, you're only seeing young bands because that's what the media that is carrying that stuff to you was going to show you. Now, if you're 50 and you have a computer, you can put your album on Spotify. Like nothing is stopping you from putting out that Magnus Opus in your 50s or 60s like other than your will to do it like the the floodgates are open you want to put music out just put it out yeah. yeah so if i were to kind of examine the music both of you were doing at that prime age in your like teens early 20s what would that have been versus now oh a lot of the bands that i i toured with in my early days were like we were just on the tail end of like the hives vines um kind of like garage rock uh recurrence mm -hmm. and we just kind of uh timed that just terribly if we had premiered like two years before i think we would have had a chance but we were just right on the dying end of uh that but we did that for a while and then i was in like a like an electric we were churches before churches okay. uh, if you're familiar with the band churches yeah. um yeah. yeah we were so i was in a band that was way too late and way too early <laughs> and that was my <laughs> that's always kind People of were like i don't get it where's the drummer why why are the electronics doing the drum and it's like well just wait in a couple of years when there's a cute girl like lead singer you're gonna love this yeah yeah <laughs> i mean like even so like you never heard of Godflesh, you never heard of sisters of mercy these bands didn't have drummers come on <laughs> oh yeah a hundred percent how about you tyler um so late teens into early 20s i was into 
you know, almost anything pop punk at the time, right? Like if it, if it was catchy and it had some punk beats to it, I, I, it, that was my bread and butter right there. Um, still do. I mean, I listen to a lot of pop punk, um, you know, even that genre itself has kind of changed over time, right? On, on yeah. what it is and what it means to people. But, um, no, I've always been a kind of like a pop punk guy. Um, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older, I've gone to a little bit more, um, more rock, you know, um, a little bit more technical, uh, style instrumental, uh, music, um, math rock, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like, this isn't really, uh, that far of a cry from what you were doing then. It's just a more mature version. Exactly. You know, and I think that comes through, uh, throughout the album because there is that consistent, uh, punk kind of like undertone, but there's also like, I could kind of tell somebody loves the Beatles in this band. Somebody loves the Rolling Stones in this band. Um, which I, I glean that from it because I like those things. They're, they're a big part of my past, a big part of my, uh, my musical language uh is, is that something that kind of stems from uh your parents music uh things you had been into prior to you know what you were doing in your teens and early 20s yeah i would say so i i was lucky to grow up with um just really really super supportive parents like uh i was playing piano at the age of five because they just recognized that i would like sing in the back seat and they're like okay this kid wants to do music uh the only thing they didn't support me in is uh, when it came time for like the 18, 19 years and I wanted to like go play music instead of go to college. Then there was a little yeah. shift. Um, but, but yeah, my parents grew up on, you know, the Beatles, the Kinks, like, you know, all, all the good, a lot of Motown. I grew up on a lot of Motown. Um, that was just kind of what I was brought up on. And my parents always had really good taste in music. But you, Tyler. Well, I think the the Beatles reference. Are are you speaking um, vocally? I, I think more vocally, but um, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. There is <clears throat> still musically uh, a flourish that that lends itself to something that melodic and and that pop orientated. Uh, that you know isn't that far of a cry from something like the Beatles, from something like even T Rex. Yeah, I mean the reason I ask is Craig, our vocalist and uh, and bass player, he um, he actually has a side project, Zanzinger um, Chorus, um, that Nate uh, dabbles in with him, and um, it's very. Man, I don't even know how I would describe it. Just wild. Um, you know, Craig is an amazing musician, um, and he just loves to create music. He will try any instrument. Um, he'll, you know, layer upon layer, and the the stuff just comes out so cool. But it's a very like acousticy, folky, rocky, just. Kind of. Um from doing that um and it even comes out like into our songs a lot of the time you know yeah well i mean 
those sorts of things they're they're kind of ubiquitous you can't escape them if you grew up in america they're touchstones you know so even if they weren't like a big deal to you they're going to find their way into your language they're going to be a part of uh, of your culture right that's why the like whenever anything's poppy and good in a rock milieu you think of the beatles you think of t-rex you think like you know they're just they're right there they're in the ether they're a part of it um i think what i'd also like to kind of know is you know what are the struggles for you guys as people in in your age group making music holding down jobs having families and the like like how how do you kind of balance that especially with you know a new record that you're more than likely going to have to support uh by playing live is, is that a big hardship for you or is it something that you can kind of figure out i think uh, honestly we all are just kind of on the same page with it uh i think we are at a point in our lives that it would take just a no a, a literally no-brainer deal for us to even consider touring like we're we're gonna do little weekend jaunts um mm -hmm. but like none of us are in the position to go like all right two months let, let's get on the road um yeah. let's go pony up austin let's go <laughs> yeah let's go yeah can you pay two uh two months of my salary let's talk um, <laughs> <laughs> but i mean um yeah i don't know i i don't think it we look at it as a hardship if anything i think we're lucky that we're at a point of our lives where we can be very secure about what we want. What we want is to put out a great piece of music and hopefully it gets to as many ears as possible. Um, but we're very realistic about, you know, what we can do on top of it. There's that internet kinda, of it all too, you know, where you don't really have to, like it, it would help, but it, you don't really have to go out on like a, a two month, uh, like banger of a tour to get a, an album heard all you have to do is have some good music and some decent pr and people are going to hear yep. it you know that's a beautiful thing about this day and age and i i do bemoan you know the 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 internet age because i'm a i'm a luddite i grew up without the internet that wasn't even a thing until i was in college but yeah. you know now you can you can conceivably not tour and have an album that is widely enjoyed oh yeah that that's a big strength right now and you know i applaud anyone who can still in that flooded market have something that you know strikes a chord with people um what's going on kind of behind the scenes with that um do you have like publicists that are helping out with that or is all of this just happening that happening that organically well i would say uh first shout out to our pr company sweet cheetah uh who i think you know yep. oh yeah yeah tim's one of my best friends yeah heck yeah yeah they've been great um but a lot of it has been organic i mean like i said joe if you see a piece of like most of our videos are joe most of uh any piece of contact you see on our like Instagram or all these little teasers, that's Joe, all the, he puts in tons of hours, just making all that stuff look great. And we do it organically and we kind of learn as we go. Uh, we all had a good giggle, like halfway through the promotion, one of our friends uh, sat us down and we're like, Hey, listen, we really got to talk to you guys about hashtags. Like 
you're not using hashtags on any of your posts. Like, like we got to talk into, and we, we're just kind of learning as we go. I, I know nothing about hashtags. I, like, <laughs> not my thing, but you know, <clears throat> what we've gotten through all kind of like the, 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 the lighter side and, and I kind of poked my head into what could like be construed as the darker side, but the whole impetus of this show, the thrust of it, is based around one thing and I don't know how familiar you guys are with my show. I always ask the same question. It's the only thing I have pre-prepared and it is this and I will posit it to you. If you, if it's too much of a bummer, you don't have to answer it. But I always ask every guest what it is that terrifies them on an existential level, because that kind of gives me a window into the personality of that specific guest. Open water. <laughs> freaks me the fuck out can i swear it makes sense freaks that's the infinite the fuck out it's the I infinite terrified of just like going down in a plane or being on a cruise and it's sinking being eaten by like some crazy creature that no one's ever seen mm -hmm. and no one knows about it that's like my biggest fear. No, I mean, that's fear of the infinite, fear of the unknown. You're, <laughs> you're kind of, those are very, very base, you know, fears for the human condition. You know, that's, it makes sense. How about you, Nate? So I, I am, uh, either blessed or cursed, however you want to look at it, to have one of those brains that, like, I will try and conceive of every terrible outcome of any given situation. And I'm usually pretty good about pulling myself back from that edge. But sometimes you just go down a rabbit hole of, like, well, what would I do then? And then what would I do then? And that will always fill me with inevitable dread because it always, it always ever leads one place. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so all stories <clears throat> in the same location. Yeah, but the, <laughs> no matter which way life goes, they all end in the same location. It's, uh, yep. I don't know. I, I think um, the fears that really drive creativity are the unfounded ones, almost. Like mine, for example. Uh, watching Nova. Do you remember Nova, the television show on PBS about oh, yeah. the universe and whatnot? Um, I watched an episode where they talked about how outside of the known universe, there is a vast ocean of blackness. I was about five when I'd seen this and I became yes. obsessed with the idea of a vacuum of cold black nothingness that went on forever and ever and ever. And I became consumed with this idea of, of this obsidian yawning maw of nothingness. And it still freaks me the fuck out to this day because I'll go there and I get lost in it. <laughs> I love that. It's an and, unfounded fear, though, because I'll never know. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Quantum physics can happen. The crazy, I, I'll get nerdy thinking about stuff like that because forever there is a far different forever than here. Time works yeah. differently that far yeah. out. So, like, that's a whole other level to it. Yeah, because uh, wouldn't it wouldn't time actually slow? Yes. 
I mean, especially since gra- we recently found out that gravity moves in waves, even though we were told many years ago by a certain someone that it does, and people said no. Um, there's no, there's very, there's no gravitational waves in in you know the expanse of, of basically nothing. So every second would be like a year. Yeah, that is truly hell. That's truly hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because let's let's say you're only doomed to an average human's lifespan. Yeah, that is still at least a millennia, <laughs> at, at, at the very least. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and 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 when you when you get that deep into it, though, um, you, you probably need medication. <laughs> yeah, and and that's where my mind goes. That's the sort of human I am. Uh, strange that they let me raise children, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i i'm glad that uh other people actually kind of consider these sorts of things um because you know most people in general you 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 posit that idea to and they're just like yeah that doesn't no no <laughs> you don't need to worry about that um but taking that into consideration, I know you guys uh, are not the lyricists, but lyrically, I think Dad Hats also kind of deals with things that are less in kind of like the same ballpark as your average uh, pop punk type band or pop adjacent hardcore infused band or however you want to put it. Um, do you think there's a, a kind of a modicum of that same sort of like depth of thinking and fear involved in the lyrics? I, I would say so. Um, fear, anxiety, frustrations, um, doubts, like uh, Craig's a very uh, honest and kind of emotive vocalist. Um, and you know he does he does all of that like from the words to the vocal melodies like he is a mastermind at how exactly how he wants things um and we're in good hands to trust him because his uh he he writes hooks that's mm-hmm. it yeah and not I, I go ahead oh let's say i mean not to mention i mean he just brings such a different perspective than i mean any vocalist I've been in a band with, right? You know, his his just outlook on using the words and the way he does, and the things that he can make rhyme in the way that he does. You know, it's um, it's really refreshing. It's um, yeah, I love it. It seems to me that there's really uh, <clears throat> there's something unique, even to you know that 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 time period that uh i'd mentioned your music kind of brings me back to because of that because there's there's a a reality to the lyricism and and there is a, a gravity to the music do you think that that's going to be lost on people or do you think people are really getting that I, I'd say best you could probably hope for is 50-50, right? But yeah. I, I think I think there's also just two types of people in the world. People who listen to lyrics and people who listen to melody. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I know plenty of both where it, it it won't matter how dumb or how profound the lyrics are. They're like, yeah, you know, I just never never noticed what they were saying, which I seems like a foreign world to me. Like I hyper focus on lyrics, but um, yeah, I I think for the people who get them, they'll get them. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm of the school where I would pour over the lyric sheet and the thanks lists and, and look at the, you know, the artwork, uh, see what, you know, even sorts of ways, like the, the way the inks play off of, you know, the, the more like open spaces in album art, you know, these things catch my eye. There's UV inks in certain records where you're like, whoa, you know, I always... I was always drawn to that. I was always drawn to the the tactile experience of opening a record and, and seeing everything that went into it. That got lost for a very long time. But over the past probably seven, eight years, it, that art has been reinvigorated. Um, when you were kind of diving into the way this record was laid out, did you sort of just trust austin's taste or were you like super involved with that i think uh i you, you know joe definitely a little bit more involved um than the rest of us were you know he, he's got a very creative mind and he just he he thinks in just totally different ways right so i think um him and austin working together on just different wavelengths um it just it kind of sets the stage for something really cool right, right really unique because it's it's like what do you think of this oh yeah i really like that idea and what do you think of this you know and um I, yeah and, and i mean just seeing it in person then it's like i said before it's just uh it, it's really cool to see how it all came together um but yeah yeah That's and i'd add an extra uh shout out to uh hayden uh so hayden is a tattoo artist here in um nashville who did all the artwork so when you see the vinyl there's little illustrations and every variant actually has a different color illustration because again austin's a genius um <laughs> like that's such a cool move yeah um but got to give a shout out to him because all the the little we we had him sit down with the songs and he drew kind of tattoo style illustrations of what the song made him envision or what he connected and pulled from the song. So kind of cool. We were talking about lyrics before here's, here's an, a literal artistic interpretation of what those lyrics meant to a complete stranger. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Another thing that kind of burns my mind a little bit is like, dad hats where does where does the name come from i mean obviously like we all wear dad hats and stuff but was there something like i'm putting on my dad hat now or is it just sort of like a thing <laughs> it was i mean it was kind of a joke right like i figured i mean we're, we're playing together and we're we're just kind of having fun and you know we weren't really doing anything serious with it and it came time to like well we got to call ourselves something you know and i mean we all wear dad hat style hat so you know if we're gonna draw a line i guess we could draw yeah. it there but um you know uh the idea came up like what about dad hats you know so we google it and it's uh what was it the dad hats i think was around and it was like they weren't doing anything and there was i mean it was crazy to me that there was no actual band that was like doing anything that was 
called Bad Hats, you know? Yeah. Um, so we just ran with it. <laughs> Speaking of hats, you're wearing a Pittsburgh Pirates hat. Are you a Pirates fan? I am. I am too. Big. Oh, big. I, yeah, I'm sorry for both of us. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, we can't win. I mean, Steelers fan, Penguins fan. I'm a Pennsylvania boy. But being a Pirates fan is kind of like accepting the fact that your life is going to suck every year. <laughs> uh, 100%. I'm also a Pennsylvania boy. Mm. Where from? Uh, originally from kind of the State College area. Oh, Very small town, Phillip, Phillipsburg, right around there. But mm-hmm. uh, I spent most of my time um, in the Harrisburg area. I'm I'm from the Scranton area, so yeah, you're not you're not that far from where I'm at, right? There's something in the air and in the water in this part of Pennsylvania because we have some really great bands that came from here and some really fucking terrible bands that came from here. <laughs> Yes, but yeah, you you guys are kind of like in a hotbed for really fantastic musicians. Um, I have so many friends who are expats from this area who moved there to make music. What is kind of like the the, the temperature of of the the music scene there, especially for what you're doing? <laughs> it's it's very country. Um, obviously, well, yeah, you know, obviously it's yeah. natural. Um, I, I'll say that one, there's a lot of great venues, but it's, there's been a lot of hardships in the area around like some classic venues that cater to more our style of music, uh, shutting down. Um, so that, that's been kind of a bummer. And I think we would love to see more bands like us, um, or at least, you know, that we played well with, uh, come up into the area at least tour in the area more that's the other thing like a lot of bands you would think they would come through nashville but for some reason anytime i want to see somebody that i really want to see seems like i'm driving to atlanta to go see them like they're not they're just not coming through nashville for some reason that's strange too because it is like music city and there's so many good bands in nashville like palm ghosts is from nashville they're phenomenal like there's so much good music happening in that town and it it almost feels unheralded just because bigger acts aren't coming through and taking on these, these local bands to like open for them. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> like you could, be in, you could be in Austin, Texas and have a viable career as a local uh, original band because so much happens around Austin. Nashville is the heart of the biggest music machine in the United States, but no one's coming. No one's touring through like that doesn't compute. Yeah. I mean, at least range. Is it because of those hardships of the, of these, these uh, venues shutting down though? Well, yeah, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, uh, like Nate was talking about a lot of the venues, like, um, you know, the punk rock, indie venues, rock venues, um there have been some that have shut down recently you know and it kind of sucks because that was where you would go to see that kind of music right it's not that like you know some of the bands that we listen to don't come through here but they're just it's it's on a bigger scale right like they'll play like an amphitheater or like there's bridgestone arena you know so it's 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 just the those those venues that 
really embraced that music and added on local bands, like you said, to kind of get their names out there. Like, don't really exist here anymore. Um, but we still have like some venues that are really good to us that we play at a lot and like all the time. Um, so it's it's not completely dead. I mean, it's still there. There's still some places to go to see some live local bands here, which is cool. Yeah. But not to like beleaguer the point, but anyone listening, if you're involved in booking bands in Nashville, like what the fuck? (laughs) Get on top of it, right? It bears repeating again. There is also like if you want to go see a local country band, just spin in any direction and throw a dart. You, You can see any local country band you want to see. But if you want to see indie bands, if you want to see hardcore, like I don't even know where you would see a hardcore band, probably probably dark matter. Um, but like that style of music, it's it's hard to get, you know, those type of bands touring through. And then Tyler, like Tyler was saying, like for the bands big enough to book the amphitheaters, that's like the only way they're coming through. And at that point, they've got like a whole touring lineup. They're not looking for the local opener. It's a package. So if Lagwagon comes through, they're probably opening for some someone bigger than them. Yeah. You, yep. you know, and, and that's disheartening. That's disheartening because, you know, living in an area like Scranton that is not, you know, seen as a, a nationally viable stop on a touring package, we always got traffic. Always. There was always a a, a draw for some reason for you know if somebody like Lagwagon, if somebody like even rise against in their early days would come through they would they would draw i mean i was 11 or 12 years old when seven seconds played an arcade in my town Damn. you know like that that that's how i cut my teeth going to shit like this and <clears throat> there was it seems to me like these bigger cities that are you know, they're, they're, they're music towns, especially Nashville. For that not to still be a presence is kind of a crime. <laughs> Just my opinion. But then again, I live in an area that the band Breaking Benjamin came from. And those guys, <laughs> those guys knew about the hardcore scene and they knew about like all the good music that was in the area and they just decided to play jock bullshit rock and 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 make a name off of it and hey god bless them you want to make that money good for you but no one in this area likes them anymore (laughs) oh for sure (laughs) thankfully but they are making that money i'm sure i'm sure breaking benjamin still pulling them in oh yeah and they still suck they still suck (laughs) like one of the worst one of the worst (laughs) bands i've ever heard in my entire life told me (laughs) i think this (laughs) I don't care. I'm very honest. So (laughs) bearing that honesty in mind, when I say to you that I really have such an affinity for this record, it it's, it's very honest, very austere. I just think that under the right circumstances, this is the type of record that will have legs for years to come. Austin is the person to release it. Sweet Cheetah will definitely get the word out on it. It is really, really that cutting and uh, 
vibrant. Let's say you get the opportunity to just maybe jump on a tour. Are you none of you are in the position to do that because you're all in corporate jobs and the like, but if you did get that chance to jump, even if that opportunity was I don't know, let's let's spitball. Let's say like uh no effects is breaking up, but like somebody of that ilk were to be like, well, we will take you on a six week tour. Would you have the faith in it to make that jump or would you just be like, thanks, but we're good? I think you, like I said, it would depend on the offer, but can mm. I tell you what I've always envisioned would be like wild success? Yeah. Like for me, best case scenario is that our unwillingness to tour or or not even unwillingness the reality of the situation to tour mm. makes us that enigmatic that we just play festivals we commit to one weekend every every couple months and we get on stage and play in front of thousands of people and then we don't <laughs> play again until you see us the next festival that to me best case scenario that's the best of both worlds that is kind of the best of both worlds <laughs> <laughs> that's the plan <laughs> well i'll tell you what i hope you get it because i uh i interview a lot of bands okay and most of them i like as a matter of fact strike that <clears throat> every band i have on here i like i don't agree to an interview with a band if i don't think that they're good but not, all, not only do I like the band, I like this record so much that I, I, I'm willing to take hours out of my wife's birthday to make sure <laughs> that this comes out tomorrow on the same day as the record. So I can say, I did the record release uh, podcast episode for this record. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, do whatever you need to do to fix it in post so that we don't sound stupid. Uh, we, I'm sure I sound it. stupid. Come on. I mean, I, I, I'm a master at editing. People think, well, you do such an, in, like intelligent interviews. No, no. I just know what to cut out so I don't sound like an ass cannon. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that stays in. <laughs> I, w I will leave that yeah. in because I'm, I'm nothing <laughs> if not self-deprecating. <laughs> Yeah, and thank you to your wife for uh, for letting you uh, for for letting you uh, take the time out. Then, yes. No, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> she no. My wife is my wife is like officially the producer of this podcast. It's her baby. This was her idea. We were on lockdown. She was sick of me puttering around the house and drinking wine to excess and hanging out with my now three-year-old i'm way too old to have a three-year-old son okay i'm almost 47 my kids are 18 years apart and she was just sick of me puttering around and and you know playing with the baby and and not you know playing music anymore not working not doing anything other than getting fat drinking making food all the time uh she's like you need to get back in journalism why not do a podcast? I said, no, that's stupid. Everybody has a podcast and nobody cares about them. My wife said so. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's smart, man. Look. Yeah.
Yes. It's a, it's yeah. the motto to live by. I, I keep it in the studio. There's a reason. There's a reason for that <laughs> adage because if your wife's not happy, you're not happy. <laughs> People who cheat don't make sense to me because they're obviously suicidal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what the fuck are you thinking? You have to go home. You have to go to sleep. Do you want to sleep alone? Do you want the kids to only see on weekends? No, don't do that shit. But also, if, just if we be a decent to... human being and have a conversation well, like a grown yeah. up and say, hey, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. Yeah, but people want that best of both worlds scenario. And, and that doesn't make sense to me either. I would rather just be with the same person and we're good. Wonderful. 100%. <laughs> uh, have you, uh, okay, so obviously, uh, how long have you been married for? I've been married for five years. Okay. So we're on six. Um, have, I, I don't know if you've had this moment with your wife, but sometimes my wife and I will just like, just be sitting around and just think about it. We're like, fuck, can you imagine like start di like dating again in this day. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife and no I have been together for 10 years. So like we were, we've been between dating and marriage 10 years. Yeah. I can't even fucking fathom the idea of getting into the dating pool at my age, the way yep. the world is now. And my wife and I met on the internet. And really? We on, and we lived a block away. Uh, a block away. Whoa. <laughs> we had to go on the internet to make it a block away. And a block away in this town, eight houses, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a sick song if you don't have one already. I do. I do. I do have the song. <laughs> Good. <laughs> You'll have to send it to us. I will. I will, actually. Um, but there, there's just... That, that that's kind of like an ode to the time right even 10 years ago to find to find your neighbor on the internet and fall in love and 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 then figure out wow hey you're my neighbor come on dude <laughs> you don't go for walks <laughs> right well you, you don't know exercise what, what are you doing <laughs> I almost feel like that would be more commonplace today because people don't venture out and people don't connect with other people like they used to. Like I could totally see not even blinking an eye at somebody that's like, yeah, like I didn't realize they were two doors down because we all live in a vacuum now. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. To me, it still feels like I'm a doofus and you know, <laughs> if if I had run into my wife in public, I don't even think I would have had the balls to have approached her. But behind, you know, the computer screen, I was like, okay, I'm I'm all right. I'm all right. I can do this. First person, the first time I ever tried internet dating, the first person I ever hit up internet dating, the first anything. Boom, boom. One message. Together for 10 years. With yeah. works at work. yeah, I mean, I'm either the luckiest Pollock on planet Earth or I'm the luckiest Pollock on planet Earth. <laughs> you should get the uh, that that app should be like paying you money for your story. Like you should yeah. be in a commercial. Like I, I, for sure, yes. I really, I really should. I really. Should. <laughs> 
you know, I've never, and all the time I've done this podcast, I don't think I've ever told that story. So that this is uh this is one for the books guys. I love <laughs> that. Yeah. Dad hats loves love. So we, we love hearing <laughs> stories like that. You know, I do too. I, I think that that is an uh, underappreciated commodity in this day and age. People are so cynical and so uh, kind of like hyper-focused on the self and, you know, their identity and, and what they mean. And, and, and no, it, it's life is about not only community, but about love because our parents, even for a fleeting moment, loved one another. Otherwise we wouldn't be here. Eh, it yep. kind of makes sense. But I, I, if you were to kind of like leave the listening audience with a thought or or a message about what this record means to you, what would that be? You want to go first, Nate? I'm still thinking you can go ahead if you've got it. <laughs> it's a good question. It is. I know how I feel about it. I got to think about what it means to me. You know, I, I would say... On, on a personal level, I, in, in res- retrospect, like kind of looking back, and I think the timing that we wrote everything has so much meaning because, you know, we wrote most of these songs during the pandemic, right? So it was just a very crazy time to be alive and seeing how people react to the situation. You know, it was just a crazy, you know, I, we said it at the beginning is, is one of the things that I'm most proud of, of what I've done with my music career. And I know the other guys uh, share the same sentiment, but, you know, I hope when people listen to it, you know, it just means something. They can listen to a song and like, this is my new jam. Or, you know, like, I like the lyrics of this song. You know, it's just, you know, to me personal music has always just been about the feeling of it right it's hmm. um any song that you listen to you can draw your own to c- conclusions of what the lyrics are about or like you know oh man that guitar part is just it makes that song right so you want to listen to it over and over right and it gets stuck in your head but you can't get enough of it i just want to make music like that for people to where they listen to it and something on the album just catches them in that way. And I think you've succeeded in that, to be quite honest, because there is something about this record that <clears throat> is intangible that grabs me. That, you know, there is that guy that loved Jimmy World when Clarity and, and Static Prevails came out that recognizes the same melodicism, even though they don't sound the same. That makes me love it, but there's an intangible too, right? Everybody we all love musically has an intangible element. And I think you have that. And, and that's, that's a rare commodity. And I think that's important to make that distinction. So what do you got, Nathan? What do you got for me? Yeah. So I, I think I just have to build off what Tyler was saying. Like, you know, this, this album is kind of like a little time capsule for us of the things that were going on, you know, during the pandemic, and you know we we were getting to a point where when we were all in a room together right before the pandemic like we would we would be working on stuff but like i i feel like in retrospect we were trying too hard like we knew we were for a second record and i think we were just like okay we're in writing mode and then 
it's like when you get four creative people in a room and it's like, okay, the, the focus today is be creative, turn it on. It just, we were butting up on a lot of frustrations with that. It wasn't quite working for us. And then all of a sudden we were stuck indoors and we couldn't see anybody and we couldn't play shows and we couldn't do anything. And it kind of drove us insane. And it, I, I think it led to, I know for me personally, like I, I put more work into my guitar playing during the pandemic than I have in my entire life. And I just was trying to write riffs that in retrospect, I'm really uh, upset that I now have to go out and play live because <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, I really pushed myself on a couple of these that like when we're playing them live, I'm like, shit, this is dumb. Why did I do that? <laughs> like, like some serious um, Greg Ginn type shit. Like, how did I play that? Oh, I'll just bang it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. Like, what tuning is this in? You know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put on a, a really fast delay that makes it sound like I'm picking really fast, but really, I'm just going to hit those one notes. Um, but no, it, it, you know, it's what it means to me is the pride I feel in like overcoming that, you know, that thing that was holding us from even being in a room together like i would i would have never thought that a we could have written the like i said the best thing we've ever written on any band that we've ever been in like and do it away from each other alone do it right put it out into the world and then even then the pandemic ended and we i, I think it, we, we were only like a couple months away from like finishing up the the masters and going like all right we're gonna put it on the internet and then austin came into the picture and we sat for another year and a half i think originally we were like okay cool six months we'll put vinyl out and between you know supply demands and you know adele cutting in front of us um fucking adele, <laughs> fucking adele. <laughs> Dude, let me tell you who needs uh, that? there was a i mean who needs that many records seriously no that you don't you they're don't. all just they're all just sitting in a Barnes and Noble right now collecting <laughs> Yeah, we there was a period of time anytime we doom scroll through Instagram when some you know semi big band is like check out the 17 variants I've put out on the record it's like you assholes. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> we just want to put this record out. You know, uh, there's an opulence to what she did and uh narcissism but I don't think it was her. I just think it was the label. But oh, still, like, like you realize that, you know, having worked uh, in record stores for a very long time and running record stores for a very long time, invariably, even the most popular records, about 20 to 25% of them get sent back to the one stop you bought them from. Okay. They're not all getting sold. They're not all getting sound scanned. The, her records that held up the entire market for umpteen years, half of them are going to go into a landfill. Yeah. That's some sad, that's sad shit. Whereas the couple thousand you guys are going to put out are going to be loved and treat it as a, a fetish item, you know, like people are going to open them up and they're going to love the way they smell. They're going to love what they're looking at. Like people like me, that's more to me, even though the money doesn't show it, 
that's the more important aspect the tactile experience the the the, the fetishized experience people who are going to love this and love it for the entirety of their lives they're going to carry it with them forever that's the important part that's the uh that's the point of making music to bring someone something that is going to reverberate throughout the entirety of their life be it a year be it 50 years that's impact pop music of the ilk of the aforementioned artist is as disposable as a McDonald's sandwich. <laughs> it is. When you put it, it that is. way. <laughs> I didn't say it. But... <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a music snob, so <clears throat> I said it, and I'm good with that. It was well said. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to tie you guys up all night, but is there anything else you'd like to leave us with this evening? Uh, kernels of wisdom, uh, you know, uh, secret codes to Contra, anything like that? <laughs> um, you know what? I'll leave you with a nugget um, because I feel like this is kind of that this type of podcast. It's very cerebral. Um, and we were talking about Beatles. And every time we talk about Beatles, I smile a little on the inside because there's a mantra that I live uh, my life by, which is there are people who don't like the Beatles. And that is my constant reminder to myself uh, in a humbling way of like, look, don't, if we put out this record and three people listen to it, like be stoked that three people listen to it. Um, And if, you know, because you're never going to please everybody. There are people who don't like the Beatles. You can put out the greatest thing in the world and there's always going to be people who don't like it. So just don't fucking worry about it. Yeah. That's my nugget. That makes sense to me because anyone who doesn't like the Beatles really are you okay (laughs) (laughs) it's okay to have bad taste (laughs) it's yeah it's okay to suck at life but maybe try the beatles (laughs) like you you hate bruce springsteen you never heard nebraska buy nebraska (laughs) and grow up a little bit (laughs) favorite favorite beatles song Ooh, ooh. glass on i'll go first Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to go Eleanor Rigby. Oh, good one. Don't Let Me Down. Oh, classic. Now, that's that's a bluesy cut. To choose that, like, that's telling. Because you can go where I went. Glass Onion, it's psychedelic Beatles, but it's not weirdo psychedelic. It's not, you know, Strawberry Fields. Or, or anything Ringo would have sang on, but looking through a glass onion, bam, bam, there's, there's, there's that weirdo uh, lyrical bent to it, but it's still a straightforward Beatles song, okay? Yep. Eleanor Rigby is post-first uh, wave Beatles, still a little psychedelic, but still straightforward. Yeah. Now... When we get into your selection, Tyler, that's 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 sticky. It, it could go both ways. Why do you think that's your choice? So I'll tell you how I actually came to know of the song. Okay. So when I was younger, you know, and to this day, um, one of my favorite albums of all time is, well, 
I should say like rock albums um, is uh, Matchbox 20, Yourself or Someone Like You. And I wore that out, right? And I had a, a VHS of them that they played a live show in Australia and they covered Don't Let Me Down. And I was like, what is this song? Like, it's not on any of the album, you know? And I'm like, I'm not even thinking like, oh, this is just a really old song. And, you know, they, they liked it and they covered it, right? So um, I did some digging and I found the Beatles version and just fell in love with it. There's something about that, just that first hit and then the vocals come in with the, you know? The shift. And the B3 kicks in, that Hammond you know? B3 organ. Dun, 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 dun. There is really something tectonic about the, the, the verse to the chorus. They're, they're vastly dissimilar, yet work so perfectly in tandem. It makes a lot of sense to me that you would like that. What's funny is I love Glass Onion, but my favorite Beatles record is Let It Be. It's the Ooh. last record. It's the last record. It's not the White it's Album. Good one. It, it, it's not Sgt. Pepper's. But yeah. uh, there's there's something about the title track about about like it's the requiem to the band, you know. And and the, the you know the Catholic overtones of, of the song "Let It Be," like even though he's not really talking about the Virgin Mary, uh, being a Catholic boy myself, coming from that world. It, it's putting a fine point on a perfect, a perfect career, a perfect recording career, even though they hate each other at this point. <laughs> it's it, it, it's just it's crazy to think of it. So, who? What's your favorite Beatles records? Then, I mean, I think that's the ultimate question, really. Uh, yeah, I'm torn between either White Album or Revolver. Revolver's the turning point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a seminal record right there. And then yeah, White that, Album stands on its own. It 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 is just a front to back perfect piece of work. Yeah. I probably mm, Hard Days Night. Ooh, good one. Yeah, that's telling. That Hard Days Night is actually probably their most well, it's not their most rock and roll record, but it's their most commercially viable rock and roll record because before that they had hits. Okay. And that like th those early, early meet the Beatles era where they're doing their best to be little Richard or, or, or that era. Yeah. That was their, that was their first record. That was them. That was still a rock and roll album. No frills before they started going down the, the, the revolver Jacob's ladder of it all. Um, this tells me that you are in essence, just a straight up rock and roller. And that's awesome. You're, <laughs> you're Iggy and the Stooges. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like they're the, you, you find the beauty in a no frills, like 70 ACDC 74 jailbreak. You know, there, there's something just really great about that and perfect and boom, 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 boom. That's excellent. That's, uh, that's a guitar player's dream, right? What's well, funny, Tyler's, Tyler's originally a drummer. Tyler taught himself how to play guitar for Dad Hats. No shit. Yeah. Yeah, he, he never picked <laughs> up a guitar before. So, Nathan, what, what are you think? What are you thinking? 
as far as like what 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 I said about that, like you know the the how telling it is to to choose that that favorite Beatles record. Oh, and, yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, and knowing Tyler, he he does like a lot of like he I I agree with how he introduced himself at the beginning. He's a pop punk boy, uh, for sure through and through. But what is pop punk? But rock, I mean, like rock there's this, the dissimilarities between pop punk and rock and roll are very few. They, they are. Yeah. Like, and, and what, I mean, what Rancid, is it? a band like Rancid, you know, that's that's they put the rock in punk rock. They're that band that's like they are just a rock and roll band. Yep. They're a rock and roll yeah. band that likes ska a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'll buy you, man. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I fortunately I got yeah. to see Op Ivy before they broke up, and that was that was fuck amazing. But what so is your cool. choice? What does your choice say about you as far as favorite Beatles record? Do you think, Nathan? Oh, I don't know. Um, because, because it's more it, to for you. I think it's more of a an, an exploratory thing, almost like a like trying to to reach a different plateau. Um, whereas Tyler's definitely just uh you know not not simplistically but but very purely keeping to what it is that makes rock and roll essential and and vibrant and alive what do you think it's your choice says about you well it's interesting i've never really thought about it but now i'm like oh this band makes so much sense because tyler typically writes a lot of like the rhythm parts and I'll come with the leads. And if I'm thinking of like revolver and I'm thinking of white album, like as you're they started getting the to their, part, yeah, I want, I want delays. And you see these synths behind, I'm a big synth head. I like sounds mm -hmm. and textures and um, the placement of things and sending things to a tape machine and reversing them. Like that's the, the things I live for. And that now it's making so much sense. Yeah. Because like you, you have to have the purest and the weirdo. Otherwise, it's not it's not going to make a whole ton of sense. Um, I've been the weirdo in every band I've ever been in. Hands down, like I'm the weirdo uh, as the vocalist and bass player and synth player in almost every band I've ever been in. I'm the weirdo. I'm the one that, you know, I'm like, well, Pink Floyd wouldn't have done that. So maybe I'll try what they did. Uh, Joy Division wouldn't would have done that. So maybe I'll try that out. Um, not everyone thinks on that wavelength and to have everybody on the same wavelength in a band does not turn out as well as you think. No, it really got to have that push pull. You have to have, you, you have to have opposing forces in order for creativity to become interesting. Otherwise it homogenizes and gets really dull, really fucking fast. Yeah. That's the best part of being in a band. That's what, just being a solo project, if that's what you're looking for, you know? Yeah, but I think, so, so that's the first step, right? But there's an integral second step that I think, A, plays a lot into why this record has worked for us, and B, where I th think it's going to benefit us going forward is we've reached a point in the band where we have a lot of trust for each other as well. So we still have the push and pull, and we understand, you know, Tyler's going to come with this, I'm going to come with this, and we're going to challenge misconceptions as we go but like we now have the trust in each other after having done two records and you know really taking our time with this one to go like okay whereas before maybe we would have like 
fought over that those you know opposing viewpoints now we're like you know what let's just trust the process we know this works and we've we've been working smoother and and more creatively because of that so i think yeah you're absolutely right any good band has to have that push pull and then if you can get the trust involved that's what makes a band last and the bands that you see implode that have all the creativity in the world it's probably because they never learned that trust yeah and they don't they they, they lost the love somewhere yeah you know like lennon mccartney they lost the love there and and they were as for as much as george harrison was a fucking genius and ringo Starr was kind of like he was good he was there he hung out he was a drummer he was <laughs> yeah but furthermore he was the was he, drummer. <laughs> was he the best drummer that's mm. that's questionable because mm -hmm. apparently McCartney went in and recut drums uh, on him behind his back. I don't know how true that is. That's like rock and roll lore. That could be completely false. But Ringo was good. Ringo was fun. He was he was the he was the comic relief almost. Uh, and you have to have that. But the two opposing forces of co-lead singer, co-songwriter, that push pull. That's the same thing as the two guitarists. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that could become tenuous. That could become very volatile if there's not a, a trust, a love, and, and I think a, a, a set idea of what the roles are when you go into it. I'm going to write the rhythms or I'm going to play the rhythms. I'm going to go more towards the leads. And if you're both comfortable with that and that there's a reciprocity and, and, a, and a push and pull and a flow to that, you're golden if yeah. there's a a power struggle done no matter <laughs> how long you're a band you're done yeah I, I i don't i don't see that here no no we we really just kind of let the music take us where we want um but tyler i think you were going to say something well it, it's it's you know especially like when we're writing um you know, I can lay down an entire song from literally intro to end of the song, right? And it'll come out one take or whatever. I can send it to Nate and we'll go down the chain from there. And it's by the time it gets to, oh, okay, we have this song demoed and here's the vocals now. And we get to hear, you know, Craig's, his perspective on the song um, lyrically, vocally, um, his, his melody that just makes it that much more exciting it's almost like just reliving it over and over again you know what i mean and it's yeah it, it could turn out completely different than what you originally had in your head but you also have to get to the point where you realize like there's three other dudes in this band who are going to have their own creative input that's going to make us what we are and that's the reason we sound the way we do. You know what I mean? I think that's yeah. the beauty of it. Well, when you realize you're writing parts and not an entire song, I think that's the get here. Like, <clears throat> even if you were the first person with the, the, the first riff, that's not the song. That's your part in the song. There's one, two, three other people who are going to give their input and make it a song it's a band it's not a it's not you plus three and when you when you go into it like that with that idea that i'm going to 
just be a part of something, be a cog in a wheel. And I love this wheel enough to be a cog in it. That's, that's the beauty. That's the, uh, that's, that's the expression of love. And that's trust. The trust we were talking about is trusting everybody else enough to expound upon something you've written or, or an idea you've brought forth and make it better. And you believe it's better for their involvement. That's my yeah. two cents. I, I couldn't agree more. So gentlemen, I have kept you for a long time. Uh, I've loved every second of this. And I think what we've really figured out is you can figure out a lot about a person by their favorite Beatles song and record. <laughs> I love, I love <laughs> it. You gotta work this into every, every episode. You gotta work this in. I don't know. Like <laughs> if I have like a band like Neurosis on, uh, it, those guys like the Beatles too, but I don't know if it'll work in the same way. Um, it definitely applies here and it works here. And this has been a ton of fun. So when the next single record, whatever comes out, would you be so kind as to keep me in mind again for the next go around? Oh my gosh, absolutely. This has been a absolutely. pleasure. Thank you so much for having us, man. Uh, and you. for your kind words. Uh, it it fills our hearts. Dad Hats loves love and we appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you, you guys. Thank you so much. You have a great night. Yeah, you, you too, too man. Night. night. Bye. There it is, folks. My interview with the boys from Dad Hats, the record release show for Spill. This has been a total honor. I love this record, as you've heard me say over and over again. I had such a good time with these two. They are such funny cats. They are heartfelt, beautiful guys. They love love. What else could I say? It's already been said. So... It's my wife's birthday. I've burned through enough of her time today. I'm going to get this episode out and go enjoy the love of my life on her birthday. They've been Nathan and Tyler. I've been Peter. They are dad hats. You've been beautiful. And this has been the book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I hope you have somebody to love tonight. Go out and buy this record. Good night, y'all.